Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 107 of Freight 360. Ben, this is our second week doing some video here. We had a, a bunch of people watching on YouTube for last week, so I'm glad that we're going to offer the video option again. Still recorded, not live, but we're back for another good one here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Kind of excited that we're uh, starting to do video to this. I've been looking around for some new lighting and shopping for some new toys for us, so we'll see what this looks like in the next couple of weeks. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, well, hey, if you are brand new here, thanks for joining us, and I'm glad you found us. Welcome to Freight 360. If you've been with us for a while, welcome back. Make sure to check out all the other great episodes. Website is fully operational. We've gotten a couple of little kinks out, but you can go through and search through just about any topic you want and read the blog, watch the videos, listen to the podcast. It's all there. It's all there. Make sure to leave those reviews and share us with your friends in the industry. Today's episode is going to be all about how to build a carrier network. And we know this is super important, especially with when the market is the way that it is currently, where there's a feels like a shortage of drivers out there. So we're gonna we're gonna get into a good one today. Um, first, we gotta do a little sports recap. Your Pittsburgh Steelers, man, they're uh, they're not getting a whole lot of love from the press right now. Obviously, they no. embarrassed my Bills a couple of weeks ago, but um, they lost Week Two. The Bills won Week Two, thirty-five to nothing over Miami, and uh, a lot of one and one teams in the NFL right now. Even like the Chiefs, man, they lost. Yeah, the Bills look really good, though. I did get a chance to watch the Bills game. I didn't get to see any of the Steelers game. I unfortunately was in the hospital with an appendicitis. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You had appendicitis on the appendix that was already removed, which I think is ridiculously uh, wild to hear, but apparently it can happen. Learn something new every day. If you asked me last week, I would have bet a paycheck that there was no chance I could rupture an organ or have an issue with one that was removed. 20 some years ago, but apparently that's not the case. <laughs> so regardless, yeah, I was in the hospital over the weekend feeling better now, but I got to watch since I'm in Florida, I got to watch the Bills uh, Dolphins game, got to watch some of the updates as it was going on with the Steelers. Is, there, game, but is that much. a big, so where you're at in Boca, is that a pretty big Miami fan base or is it kind of mixed? It's honestly, it's South Florida. So I would say like the overwhelming majority of people are like transplants. There aren't yeah. a lot of people that grew up here, but there's still, I would think, more Dolphin fans than probably any other team. And it's still a Dolphin market, obviously, yeah. like from a 40-minute drive from the stadium. They were saying that there were, it looked like more Bills jerseys in a Hard Rock Stadium than Dolphins jerseys. So, but like you said, a lot of transplants. A lot of, I know. And from is- New York, the, by far, the overwhelming majority yeah. are people from New York. Like I'd say... For every five people I meet, one or two of them are from New York. Yep, there you go. So, hey, makes sense. See, see how week three goes. We're, we're the Bills are hosting the Washington Football Team on Sunday at one o'clock here in Orchard Park, New York, and uh, that should I say it should be a landslide, but who, you never know. It's so early, and any anything can happen. That's why so, they play the games. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely it. Um, elsewhere in the sports world, uh, we got like a week left of baseball before the playoffs start in early October. And as it stands now, this is Wednesday. We, this will, you know, the episodes air on Friday, but 
Um, the Yankees are not even in the playoffs right now. Wait, they're like a half really? game behind a wild card spot. Toronto bumped past them. The Red Sox have won like six straight, so they're in the first wild card spot. Um, so the AL East is uh, is is interesting. Um, I haven't really looked elsewhere around the league. I will pay very close attention next week and see who it, who it is that's going to be playing in the postseason for for baseball. Ryder Cup coming up, right? Uh, not the Ryder. What am I thinking? Of? Blank. It's. Uh, it is the Ryder Cup. Yeah, there's the Presidents and the Riders Cup. Presidents, the Ryder, the three day one where it's like Europe versus US. Yes, and I honestly don't remember, and I should. I just haven't had a chance to catch up on any of the articles of late. It is the Ryder Cup. It's in Europe. Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. Yes. So go Team USA, I guess. We'll see. It's pretty cool. I got. I was trying to look at how they like how it's um, formatted because it's obviously very different than a traditional four day tournament that you'd have individual yeah, players a, competing. It's teams. It's, it's, it's a team crazy. sport. Yeah. Yep. There was actually kind of a rift between, uh, it wasn't Bryson, it was um, Brooks Kepka. And I think it was one of the captains of the US team. He was kind of complaining that, like, you know, you spend your entire career and all season and basically two years as an individual, and now you got to go play with the team. And he was kind of like insinuating that he wasn't that excited. And I, I think the U.S. team captain, I can't remember who it was, came out and made a statement that, like, if you're not that excited, then like, don't play because there are tons <laughs> of people that are super excited to go play with their peers. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't know. I'm not in professional yeah. sports, but I feel like I would look forward to that if I made it. But I mean, who knows? Agreed. Agreed. Everyone's different, though. Everyone's yep. different. Um, next week, we're going to have Trey Griggs on with us as one of our uh, episodes with our friends over at Lean. I'm going to give I'm going to give them a shout out early on in the episode today. But that's a little sneak peek at what's coming up next week. It's always a good conversation with Trey. Um, but as as always, if you have any needs for staffing or for tech work for your brokerage, marketing work. Um, account management on the sales side, check out Lean Solutions Group. Their website is leangroup.com. I'm sure Trey will talk a whole lot more about them next week, um, but they're a, a great one-stop shop solution for just about anything when it comes to growing your brokerage. I know we've used them for marketing, um, for uh, our, the tech side, building our website. I refer them out to a lot of my agents and and other brokers that I know very often when they're looking to hire for getting bodies and seats. It's a uh, it's a it's a good place to go if you're if you're growing and you have some solutions that um, are not being met. So check them out at leangroup.com. Um, so building a carrier network, Ben. Unless you got anything else before we get into it, man. Well, on that topic, I'm really excited to dig into the topic we're going to cover with Nate. I mean, with Trey and Nate, obviously. But it's um, <clears throat> that just what's going on with the labor market. Everybody's struggling to find people to staff, and I mean, obviously, like lean, you know owns kind of that market, like they are that solution for it. But that's one of the reasons why I think they have grown so fast. I really like them as a solution because owners, I think, underestimate, and we all do this as human beings, we underestimate the amount of work and we overestimate the reward we're going to get at the end. And the amount of time it takes to train, hire, recruit, and bring somebody on, and for them to not work out the risk associated with it, that's a lot. And that's why I've always really liked lean. I mean, going back to when I met Trey a few years ago, I, I just thought it was a really sharp business model that takes advantage of basically being able to hire people that live in a country with lower cost of living. Yeah, 100%. 100%.
They're digging so, in, man. Building a carrier. Yeah, let's network. talk about carrier network. So it's obviously the the one of the reasons for this topic is is very, very difficult right now if you don't have a strong carrier network to do any business as a freight broker because you're essentially going at it blind, trying to post on the load boards, hoping that a carrier is going to call you, take one of your loads. Um, that is what I would call someone who I would refer to them as someone who does not have a strong carrier network. Whereas those that do have strong carrier networks often don't even need to post their loads on the boards because they can just call their go-to folks or the carriers are just calling them like, hey, what do you guys got this week? And that is ultimately where you should strive to get to as a broker is to use the load boards to cover freight as little as possible. Obviously, they're a, it's a great tool. You need to have it. Um, but if, if you can use them as little as possible and have to rely on them as little as possible to cover your loads, you're in a very, very good spot as a freight broker. And that would probably put you in the top like 5% of brokers that are out there. So there's a lot of different, uh, we'll talk about some tips and ways that you can um, you know, find these carriers and grow this network and help nurture it throughout the process of the first time you've talked to them to the hundredth load that they've moved for you. That's why I personally think it's a good topic to talk about. Um, we, we're not going to necessarily talk about um, pricing with carriers or certain specific things. This is more so a, a, a higher level topic on building that network. We'll give you some examples and tell some stories, but what do you think, Ben? That's yeah, I want to dig into like, I'm honestly an example that just happened recently when you and I were talking about kind of outlining the show, right? Like, so you get a new customer, it's a shipper and they're like, Hey, you know, I need help on this lane. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I don't really have any carriers on that lane. It's not something I've run before. And it could be that you were talking and negotiating with this shipper to run lanes that you guys already ran. But when it came down to it, they just didn't need that truck. And they said, hey, can you take this and help us out over here, right? So it's an opportunity nonetheless, but what do you do, right? Like, how do you then make that work? Because you and I hear this all the time in our group coaching sessions and the stuff we do with the TIA is, well, when I go to the load board, it seems like the trucks want more money than what the shipper's willing to pay. And that doesn't even include my margin. So how in the world am I supposed to get a truck below what the shipper wants to pay so that I can actually make some money doing this? And I think this is a really good strategy or a good segue for us to talk about some ways to actually handle that, right? I agree. And it's a, it's a million dollar question. We're not going to have the one size fits all solution, but it's the problem that a lot of people are having right now, um, which kind of brings me back to the whole idea of um, the less you can have to rely on the load boards to cover your regular freight the better. Now, obviously, uh, there's going to be a first for any carrier that you add to your network. There's going to be a first time you talk to them, the first time they haul a load for you. Um, it's going to happen and it takes time to build that rapport and that relationship up. But at, at the end of the day, back to your question, customer only wants to pay this much and carriers want to get paid more. What do I do? Well, eventually you get to a point where you're not only working with or talking to carriers that are demanding these extremely high rates right now, because you don't have to just go to the load boards and do that. Or you're able to find other carriers that don't necessarily have to deadhead 150 or 200 miles and take them somewhere where they don't necessarily want to go, but that's what the load board situation resulted in for you. And that's the goal is to get past that and to be able to have this carrier utilization where you're repeatedly using the same carriers over and over for the same lanes over and over and having fairly consistent rates. So that way it's not just crazy throughout the year. 
And I'm going to say, I'm going to start to talking through like one of the strategies. Like I always visualize it as like fishing for carriers, right? You drop a bunch of lines in the water, you see what bites, you throw them back and you see what's in this little fishing hole, right? So let's just say our lane is, I don't know, like LA up to Seattle, right? You've not run that lane before. So first and foremost, like there are different ways to post that lane. So you could post up a few different pickups that are close and a few deliveries that are close to that. Why? Because you want to be able to reach more people with this. Now, the goal here isn't to post up a load so that you can book a truck for your customer. The goal is to be able to drop lines in the water, so to speak, posting up different loads so the carriers reach out to you. The important thing is that one, you're having conversations with them when they call But two, you're also being honest and letting them know like, hey, I picked up a new customer or, hey, we picked up this new new lane or this new customer for my existing customer, right? Shipped with them for a long time, but, you know, we're looking to find more carriers that this lane works for. And all you're really doing is fielding these phone calls, writing down their MCs and asking like, is this a lane that would fit for your network? Like, do you have drivers that would want to run this? Do you have drivers that would want to run the other the other leg of it from that side back down? And as long as you keep posting this up every day and at different portions of the day, different times of the day, you will get different carriers that are there at different times and different days of the week. Yeah. That's really what just happens over a longer period of time anyway. Right? I want to ex- I want to examine that a little bit deeper. Okay. There's a reason, because I always like to ask the reason, well, why? Why is it that different carriers are answering or calling at different times? On different days. Well, you got to think, right? Everyone's delivering at different times of the day. And mm-hmm. at, you're, you're not just always on the low boards at all times looking for the next available load. If you're a carrier, you're going to look when yep. you're delivered or about to deliver the next morning. And th- that's why this stuff will change throughout the day. So if you look at 9 a.m. and you're seeing um, you know, certain amount of carriers that are showing as available on the boards, um, it's not necessarily going to be the same thing at two in the afternoon. Or right. on a Thursday versus a Friday. I mean, this this is this kind of stuff that changes. I just want to break that down it. so people understand. And I and I want to flip it one more. And I want to explain this from the point of view of a smaller asset carrier. Right, a smaller asset carrier typically has some like dedicated or their own customers that they have committed to and they run those loads for them every week. But there's usually not enough loads, one, to get their drivers back to run the next one. And they're usually by where the carrier's based. So like normally regional carriers work with the shippers that are located close to where their drivers live. So if you think about that, they all kind of start their week on Monday and they all run those loads out with that customer. And then it's the dispatcher's job to bring them back to pick up their next load with that dedicated yep. customer or another yep. customer. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a real world example. Okay. Pierce Worldwide Logistics, our asset division. Um, I got to visit them when I was down in Florida visiting you as well earlier in, in the year. But um, I got to look at the scheduling map uh, or scheduling route essentially of, of all of our company drivers. And um, you know, some of them they want to be out and back in a week. Some of them will have, they want to be out and be back two weeks later. So for that reason, we get a lot of our outbound freight on the asset side coming from our direct customers that we're set up with as a carrier. Come midweek or talent of the week, we are then calling, our dispatch team is calling other brokers or talking with brokers, trying to find that backhaul to get our drivers back home so they could spend the weekend there. Or it could be a week and a half later when they're trying to get back, um, 
that second week if that's their preferred method. So you got to think based on the carry that you're talking to or the carries you're working with, they might have that head haul out in the beginning of the week and dead head or not that head uh, back haul through a broker on the talent of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be two weeks. You got some of these folks that they'll just be gone for three months. So this is why you're going to see different stuff at different times of the week uh, and d- different days even. So yep. times I'll think day. about this, right? So if you're a dispatcher, your goal is to make that driver the most amount of money. But here's the thing, where is your priority, right? So as a dispatcher, priority is usually number one is to make the most money, right? But there's another time where that priority of making the most money falls behind a different priority. Yeah. And that other and priority you get your is your driver back where they need to be. Right. The exactly. destination, right? Where this guy either wants or needs or has to go, right? Sometimes it's back to their customer where they have a committed load they've got to pick up. And sometimes the driver just needs to get home for his family or whatever yeah. that reason is. But that switches from money to destination. And yeah. that always changes between front haul and back haul. So I want to give you a little tip here from the brokerage mindset. Use that same example of our asset division. Um, so think about the brokers that we're working with as for backhauls, right? We're the ones that are getting our trucks for those backhauls are the ones that have a relationship with us and understand our drivers' schedules. Hey, we usually have three trucks that are here on Wednesday looking to get back home by Friday or are here on Thursday looking to get back home on Saturday. They know, they care, they they write this stuff down. They ask these questions when they're having conversations with our carrier division there. And that's exactly what you need to be doing as a broker is, and I use this analogy with somebody yesterday in our group coaching is you have to kind of think about that prospecting hat you put on when you're talking to customers and you're asking those probing questions you need to be wearing that hat right now with carriers and you need to be asking those probing questions so you can pull back the layers and understand more information about them versus just, hey, do you guys have any trucks available? What will it cost? Find out where are they normally located at certain times throughout the week? Where are they trying to get back to? And what what day of the week do they, you know, they typically have that term where they're going to try to get their drivers back home. How many drivers do they do they have? How many trucks do they have? These are the kinds of questions that will help you build up this carry relationship and understand it. And you need to be recording that information in your system or what TMS or whatever you're using. So you don't have to, you're not going to forget it and sound like an idiot when you call them. They're like, we just told you last week that, you know, that's on Thursdays. We don't have anything on Wednesdays. We do on Thursdays. So. And yeah. to me, like, that's why the fishing analogy like holds up in my head. Like I picture the U S as like a giant lake that has different food that moves with a different season and the fish swim around the lake based on where they're coming and where they're going. And you drop lines in based on where you are in that lake, i.e. where you are in the country where that lane is. But the great part is when you catch that fish or that carrier calls in, you get to have a conversation with the fish and go, hey, are you on your way out or are you on your way back? Oh, you're on your way back. Oh, do you come back this way often? Oh, every week. Oh, and three other drivers come back every week. Hey, would you guys be interested in running this for me consistently? Because that is the piece that they are missing as a dispatcher. They have to call around through the load boards every single Tuesday, finding these guys loads to come back. They are looking for somebody to give them this, give them their time back to not having to do this and negotiate the rates. And that's where you find the priority of money and destination flip. Carriers love dedicated lanes and they want dedicated lanes. Um, I, I have a, an agent that 
And I probably told a variation of this story before, but he never has to post on the load boards because he has so many carriers and consistent lanes with one of his shippers that they, I mean, he could get more lanes out of his shipper if he wanted to with the amount of carriers that he has networked with over the years that mm-hmm. want to haul those lanes because they are consistent. And he is a number one point of contact at that customer for these lanes. They don't have to go on the load boards and look for their next load or anything like that. And let's say that they take an outbound lane for him. He'll even for free as a little bonus, he'll hop on the boards and act like a, like a little dispatcher for them and show them what, what other loads are available after they deliver for him. So maybe they're dropping off in Michigan and he'll say, hey, I've, I found like four or five loads that um, you might want to look at that are paying good coming out of Michigan. That way, the driver, while they're hauling that load, they're not worried about hopping on their phone, trying to find their next load. He can do that for them. Absolutely. And that's the value add, right? Like that's, and that's by the way, when you're asking yourself, well, how does this shipper end up paying so far below market? Because they've been doing the same thing that we're talking about every day of every week since they've been in business. And the other carriers, the asset carriers that live and are networked close to them, reach out and say, hey, we've got drivers here that'll run your loads. Then they can negotiate a price sometimes independent of the market. Sometimes it includes what's going on in the market because what we talked about is what the dispatchers need. What we haven't talked about is why does that matter to a driver? Because the worst thing that can happen to a driver is they go to a new shipper and it ends up being a very difficult shipper to deal with. It fights them on detention that keeps them there for four or five hours, doesn't load them, is difficult to deal with. They also want predictability within their schedule. And that's why having dedicated is so valuable to the carrier as a whole, because the drivers want it. It reduces their risk and they don't have to think and they know where they're going. They don't want to constant, like there's something that we like as human beings that is a little bit predictable in our lives. We want to know where we go to work. We want to know who we're going to work with and we want to enjoy being around those people. Yep. And am I going to be home next weekend to hang out with my family? Like that kind of stuff right there. So yeah, it's crazy, man. It, it is wild. And that's why, you know, uh, people will often ask, well, you know, do I, when should I start calling carriers and trying to build up that relationship? Very early on in, in brokerage is, is my opinion on it. You know, obviously you can't hire a carrier to move a load if you don't have a load to give to them. But as soon as you start getting a couple of shippers to work with, this is when you should really start taking some time and dedicating it to building that carrier network, calling out to carriers that, are, that will help service your customers' lanes build that rapport with them, ask them the questions, find out where do they usually have their assets available? Where do they want to go? Things like that. And just introduce yourself. You may not have a load for them today or even this month, but hey, if you've got them in your system and you know what their preferences are, they may come in handy six months from now. So that's my take. And then here's the other thing, right? I want to talk a little bit about the staffing piece of this, right? Obviously, this takes time. You've got to research loads. You've got to know where the market rate is. You've got to post it up. You need somebody to answer these calls. You need somebody to genuinely have conversations with them, write this information down. This is part of the job that is literally the sweat equity that builds your carrier base. Because the goal is to get to where Nate's agent is, right? The person that has this massive database. Because once you have that, Now, when you're prospecting, you're literally prospecting like an asset company. You're going, hey, I've got these drivers and carriers that want this lane. Do you guys have any that would work for them? Like you were literally taking it to them because there's nothing more frustrating to the shipper when they have a broker telling them, oh, I can cover that. We do anything. We can cover anything you need. Send it over. And then they send it and then it's crickets, right? Nothing. Well, 
They hear this empty promise every day over and over again. And eventually they get jaded. And that's why it's difficult to get involved with a shipper because they know this. They've been told that over and over again, and they've been let down every time they've been told it. But when you go about it and you set proper expectations and say, even with a new customer, look, this is a newer lane for us. Be honest, be upfront. Tell them it's going to take a couple of weeks until you work in a real carrier base. Say you'll start to try to provide options, but it's going to take some time. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. That's why, honestly, brokers kind of have a bad name to begin with. The bad ones do, yeah. But even more so, like it's more work for you as a broker anyway, because you're not going to get the truck. You're going to have a harder conversation to have when they ask you where the truck was you told them you could get. And the likelihood you'll get another lane to cover is very slim anyway. So it doesn't really do anybody any benefit. Right. I think the the biggest takeaway here, and it reminds me of our conversation with with Dean from DAT when we had him on in the past, to put yourself in the driver's seat one is, is don't think about your carriers as just another commodity that you need to get your job done, right? They're not just a cog in the machine or the engine, right? They put yourself in their shoes. Think about what it is that they want and what's important and valuable to them. And don't, don't just treat them like, hey, I need you so I can make money for removing this load for my customer. It's, it comes down to that, that simple of a concept. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Any, any, um, Last add-on thoughts on, on the carrier network part. We've got some good Q&A questions that we can uh, get to here, but the, the carrier conversation is we can get so think, deep into it. I think but. the biggest thing is, right, it, it really does go hand in hand with the sales function, right? And a brokerage in its most simplest sense is just an intermediary between two parties, right? So if you've got a bunch of shippers, you need to be able to spend the same resources to get carriers, right? And yes, it's not apples to apples, but you can't have a company that has four or five salespeople and one carrier rep, right? You can't, like, it doesn't work. Like you need somebody that does this and fields these calls. And like, it's the sweat equity that goes into building these businesses. Even the smaller ones, like an agent and two or three staff members, like that's the business. That's how it gets built, right? You can't do it with one and not the other. Look at some of the, the largest, most successful brokerage companies in the US. They have massive carrier departments because that's how important it is. Okay. If you are of um, just a one person brokerage and you're licensed, uh, or you're an agent and you're kind of managing your own book of business, you need to make sure you're spending enough time. To, uh, to grow that carrier side and develop that and nourish those relationships as much as your customers. You want to, uh, big companies have already showed us how to do it right and just do it on, on a smaller scale. Exactly. It doesn't need to be reinvented. And, and I think, you know, if you're asking yourself, how do I grow my brokerage? How do I get it to that next step? Brokerages don't grow in a straight line. They go up, they plateau as you staff up. And then once you free up bandwidth and time, then you start spending more time on sales and bring in more customers. Then you go up. Now you've got to staff it up, bring in more people to support the operations that you just sold, bringing on more carriers, managing these people, because these are the resources you're selling. These are the assets that we're literally selling as a brokerage. So you need to be able to free up that bandwidth. And that is honestly why that, that I think lean is so valuable, why they're growing so fast right now. It's because Everybody has this need and to be able to flip that switch and to be able to put a butt in a seat that can help you with it, that is trained already, helps you hit the ground running so you can go get more business to keep on growing. Absolutely. Well, before we get to our Q&A, talk to us about our friends over at DAT. 
Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT load board network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners. Plus, you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of DAT Power, Express, and Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. All right, three questions here. This first question came from came through our website, and um, there's a little context to it. All right, so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. It says, is LoadLink a, a must-have in Canada, or can I use some cheaper options for load boards? The, uh, the full detail of it is this is a guy that he's a broker in Canada. He's a Canadian broker, not a U.S. licensed broker. And in order to have access to the DAT load board, he thought he had to have um, load link and then add on DAT to it. Uh, we ended up connecting him with their, their support team there. Um, I, I personally, I can't speak for the, uh, the Canadian licensing side of it, but I will tell you that from all of my U.S. brokers that do work in the U.S. and in Canada, they are using um, DAT, which will talk to its sister company, LoadLink. They're both transcore companies, um, but DAT should do that job. Um, outside of that, I don't know if there's any specific other load board that's out there. I wanted to at least answer that question, even if I don't have a great answer for you. Um, I would, if you know, if I if I was in this guy's shoes, I'd probably call other brokers that are Canadian based and ask them what they're using. I, I, we also don't know what kind of market he's working in or niche uh, or anything like that. Um, but to my knowledge, DAT, if you're in the U.S. and have loads going into or out of Canada, um, DAT will give you a solution on that says that talks to load link. If you don't know, load link is one of the big load boards in Canada. Um, did you ever do any Canadian freight, Ben? I did. Um, from US to Canada, I used one of my customers was DHL Canada, but it was almost always US to Canada or Canada to US. Um, so I've never done intra-Canada. I think that's gotcha. what you call it, right? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I have, and I've had, I've had, and another, and another episode. You had that story a, about the Nova Scotia, yeah. though, didn't you? Yeah, that yes, and it just reminded me of it. It was like a winter storm going into, and it was Martin Luther King Day weekend. I remember, like, it was, it was the, definitely the worst load that I've ever had to work on, or <laughs> two. Like everything went wrong with that one, but yeah. yeah. Um. So another load board question here: What load boards can I use to source unusual equipment? I actually get this question um, more often. It's just phrased differently. So someone might say, hey, where do I go if I want this kind of truck or that kind of truck? Or they might say, I want a Conestoga or I need to dump uh, an end dump or a hopper or um, whatever, right? Yep. Um, here's what I'll tell you is load boards... There's, so there's no perfect solution, right? The the more volume of activity that you're going to have on a load board, um, the better your chances of getting matched up with somebody is going to be. Um, there are there are some small niche load boards that may only have a few hundred or a, maybe a thousand users on them, so it's very hard to match them up. And instead of um, you know having like 30 different load board subscriptions, there are companies like. Post Everywhere is an example, right? They have like yep. 50 smaller load boards that cover a lot of those niches for like dump trucks, hoppers, bulk loads, things like that. And they're all aggregated in. So if you're posting out to one of those aggregator load boards, it will send your load out to 
all of the smaller boards that are underneath there. What I will tell you with unusual equipment, it is more beneficial for you to have a strong carrier network in that niche equipment type than to have to rely on the load boards for it. So if you know that, let's say your niche is working in um, like some kind of bulk type of uh, freight, you're better off prospecting those carriers directly, finding out everything we just talked about earlier in the episode, finding out what their capacity looks like, what their driver routing typically looks like, when they have availability, and build up that carrier network. That way, instead of posting on a board when you have a load pop up for one of your customers, you can send out an email blast about the available loads going out to those carriers that match that criteria or give them a call, whatever the case might be. Um, The common stuff like flatbed, um, dry van reefer, Load boards are great because you've got thousands and thousands of people posting loads and trucks on there. But the smaller niche ones, you know, you only get into it what other people are putting into it as well. Or you only get out of it what everyone's putting into it. So any thoughts on that with any unusual stuff? People ask it like with drayage, with um, power only, uh, chassis, uh, yeah. expedite. You know. Drayage, drayage.com. Honestly, like I've found that like most of the rare pieces of equipment I find in DAT. And then the thing I do on top of that is I ask those carriers for referrals. They usually know who else is moving that types of equipment. Like I remember I had steel customers and Conestogas were really prevalent because it's easy to load them with a crane and still cover them. You tend to see those all through the Michigan area, the steel belt, Ohio, your areas, you know, Northwest Pennsylvania, Southwest PA. So they tend to be in certain areas, but you, if you really ask the people moving those equipment, once you get a couple of them, you can start to learn a little bit more where they are and why they're prevalent in those areas. Yep. Absolutely. The last question. Love this one. (laughs) Yeah. Is it hard to start your own brokerage? Ah, well, so there's a, that's kind of a loaded question. So it's actually very, very easy to start a brokerage. Yeah. Um, Being successful at it is different, but basic requirements to start a brokerage. I mean, this is all covered and detailed in our course, the Freight Broker Basics course. Check out the link in the episode notes or just go to our website if you want to take a look at it. Um, But I mean, it's as simple as getting your authority through the FMCSA, which requires you to have a uh, freight broker bond and a uh, list of processing agents and to pay a fee to get your authority. I mean, that's that's as simple as it is to start your own brokerage. Now, to be successful at it is a very, very different question. So um, we don't have time to talk about all of it, but where people fail is they don't have the right knowledge about brokering, right? They don't really know what to do once they've set it up. So uh, I think our course does a pretty good job at outlining the the basics of it. That's why we call it the freight broker basics. Um, another reason people might fail is that they're not very sales oriented or they don't know how to do the actual customer prospecting side of it. And we've, we focus a lot on that in our coaching sessions and um, have had really good discussions about how much activity you need to have, um, how to overcome objections, things like that. Um, and then the other side is, are you going to be able to actually get carriers? And that's, you know, with that discussion we just had today on the episode, it all goes into it. But to start a brokerage, it's actually super easy. It's almost frustrating how low of a barrier to entry there is because you get so many garbage brokers that can flood the market and give brokers a bad name. So we think. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty much the same sentiment. It's very easy to start a brokerage. To succeed in brokerage is a different story. You need the resources, you need the information. Um, and you get that either from mentors. And that's why Nate and I really put everything we have into freight360.net 
everything searchable through there. So if you're asking yourself this question, check that out. And if you want a more in-depth look at actually how the market functions, what the job is like to actually do it, all of that is in Freight Broker Basics. And that's why we put it there. Um, so if you're looking for some free ideas on whether or not it might be a good fit, check out our website. If you want a more in-depth look, check out Freight Broker Basics. Absolutely. Good stuff. Let's take a look at the matchups around the league this week. And I got to pull up my little ESPN web website here. I already I know my, my bills are hosting uh, the Washington football team from the NFC least, which is crazy to me is that's the weird, that's the, the 17th game. That's who our matchup was, was, uh, was Washington because um, they were the number one team in their division last year at like seven and nine somehow. So that works out for Buffalo. Um, yeah. Whereas like Kansas city got matched up with a good team. I don't know. I can't remember who they got, but um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to give a, let's see who your Steelers are playing this weekend. Do you have any idea off the top of your head? I don't remember. Hmm. Well, I'm going to make my prediction here on, uh, Oh, I went to football and I pulled up soccer um, NFL. There we go. I'm going to project my bills win here in orchard park and I'm going to give us a 14 point win. Um, let's go with 24, 10, man, 24, 10, my prediction against, uh, Miami. I was, I was wrong, but I did say a big margin of victory. Um, so let's see. Pittsburgh, uh, you're hosting Cincinnati. I, yep. I, you need to win that game. If you don't win that game, you're in trouble. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in, you guys are the whole division's like one and one right now, right? Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore. I keep my expectations where they should be at about 500 for their season this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you were saying the over under was uh, eight and a half wins for yeah. the season? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when the quarterbacks out there talking about needing to get more games in under their belt to really f- feel comfortable, it's kind of hard to have a lot of confidence in the team. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Interesting. Any other good matchups? So Thursday night, which will have already happened on this draft, Carolina at Houston. Houston sucks this year. Carolina should win that game. I think they're 2-0 right now, so they should be 3-0. Monday night next week is Philly at Dallas. Oh, I'm going to the Bills in, uh, in Tennessee game in October. I'm super excited for that. Nice. Just planned my trip down to my uh, uh, company's headquarters down there for, for middle of uh, October. So hopefully hopefully a Bills-Titans game later in the season will be nice. Um, yeah, man. You got any final thoughts here, Ben? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Till next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.